0: Hey guys, welcome back to this show where we talk about your psychology, what's really going on with you. You come at me with your problems, your issues, and it's my job to say, that's not your problem. That's not your issue. That is a symptom of something else. In fact, I don't want you to get rid of that problem. We need that problem. Don't try to discipline yourself out of that problem. We need to hold on to it. Keep that problem. Let's create a better relationship with it so we can figure out truly what's going on with you on an unconscious level. Because, you know, if you could just, yeah, that problem, if you could change it, then you would simply change it. You wouldn't need to reach out to a therapist or concern yourself with psychology at all. You would simply discipline yourself out of it, and there's, right? And that would solve it. But you can't do that, so by definition, there's a psychological issue there. And uh, one way we can look at our symptoms is to look at the drugs we use and what do these drugs mean about us did a video a couple weeks ago on what our favorite porn <laughs> means about us and it did pretty well you know it's a pretty clickbaity title uh, but i got a suggestion from a listener to, to do uh, what our favorite drug what our drug of choice says about us what this symptom that we experience what this indicates about who we are and, and what we need to work through right this is awareness our our symptoms, our psychological symptoms, our incontinence, our drugs that we use, the porn that we watch, these are lenses into our psyche. So, let's look at what they mean, the first one, stimulant or some kind of amphetamine. Uh, Adderall, I think this is probably, or cocaine, you know. Uh, What do these do? These, well, you know, what do I always say? These have a very similar effect on your body, on your brain, that anger does. It's dopamine, depending on the stimulant or the amphetamine. It's adrenals. You know, it focuses your mind. It, it puts you in this heightened psychological state to, to make you goal-directed and, and you know goal-oriented. Here's a value I want to achieve when you're angry or when you take a bunch of, of Adderall or Modafinil or cocaine. You're just very focused on one thing as opposed to distractions. So, clearly, if, if you have a stimulant problem, you don't, even if you drink a lot of energy drinks, I, I've seen this with people who absolutely need to have their bang in the morning. There's a problem with anger integration. You have anger issues that you have yet to fully bring into conscious awareness, and because of that, you feel like you need some stimulant or some kind of amphetamine to, to compensate. I mean, this is why nicotine goes well with alcohol. Like, nobody really feels like smoking until they have a couple of beers in them. And then it's like, yeah, man, I could really use a cigarette because nicotine it's this mild stimulant, just helps. You know, alcohol tunes you out. We'll talk about alcohol. Alcohol kind of tunes you out, nicotine kind of brings you back in. I mean, that's how that's the best way to use stimulants, I think, right? I mean, of, of course, you got to, you can't just use a stimulant. You got to use something to help balance out the stimulant. So nicotine goes well with alcohol. And then I talked about, you know, I uh, was on Adderall for a while. Doctors prescribed it for me in my early 20s. And I got to the point where I had to throw it out. I mean, I, I put it, I didn't say, oh, I need anger integration. What I felt like I needed at the time, I was grasping at these concepts that I You know, I felt etherically, but I couldn't conceptually wrap my mind around it at the time. I felt like I needed masculinity. I thought, you know, I'm going to throw away this Adderall. And to replace this, I can't just get rid of the Adderall. I remember saying something to the effect of, to replace this, I need masculinity. Anger integration, healthy anger integration, healthy animus, let's say. So that's stimulants, amphetamines, benzos, benzodiazepines. This is... uh, Clonopin, Xanax, I think are the two most famous ones. Valium, in fact, Clonopin is that, is that a, a technically a benzo? I forget. Valium, Xanax, those kinds of drugs. This is more for generalized anxiety. I find, you know, I'm basing my suppositions here. I'm I'm basing my uh, my thoughts on these on these different drugs on you know what the drug is and what I know about. The, the chemicals that, that the drugs give your brain and what those chemicals mean or what the compensation of those chemicals mean about your psychology. But I'm also basing this on, you know, I worked in drug rehab for a while and that's how I got my start in this field. So you know, I, I base, I have a lot of experience, right? Being around people who are addicts. So I base off of, you know, what I can infer from, from what they tell me. Anyways, benzodiazepines, this is anxiety, of course. It helps manage anxiety. I think this is a specific kind of anxiety, or not specific as the case may be. This is generalized anxiety, which seems to me usually comes from a failure to address a fundamental issue in your life. Some conflict, that's really what it is. Some conflict, yes, you have generalized anxiety. That's the symptom, but the conflict there is, yeah, yeah, right. The the main issue there, excuse me, is some conflict that you have. So, for example, you have these values, but the job you know, your job just classic example, you know, every 80s movie, you know, how many movies in the 80s were called uh, for the love of the money, right? So, you have this this work that provides for you well but there's some conflict there there's some moral conflict you have with the work you kind of push it outside your consciousness because you're like oh it's not that big deal look at all this money i'm making it's no big deal you rationalize it a bunch of different ways but that conflict remains and this builds and people like that start you know needing anxiety maybe panic disorder anxiety that's usually where that comes from you know that panic that's another healthy symptom well let's not get rid of the panic let's not cover it up with benzodiazepines i understand if you need to use these drugs for acute some kind of panic disorder i think that can be really uh, helpful but i mean again that works like dumbo's magic feather right P- people take uh, you know go out with their uh with their xanax and then they don't have a a panic attack as long as they have their Xanax with them. What's really going on, right? Hmm. So yeah, there's usually some conflict there or you present yourself as this open and nice and generous person but you've cut out your sister from your life. It's these kinds of issues that generally, in my experience, have given rise to overuse or just reliance on, you know, this isn't about addiction or abuse or however we define that. Just reliance on, on benzodiazepines, anxiolytics, and then opiates. What do opiates do? Well, it's very similar to oxytocin, which is that feel-good chemical. You know, you're you're wrapped in a flannel blanket. Uh, you have like popcorn with with butter, like caramel on it. You have some goody treats, and, and you're talking with your you're watching something, you know, nourishing on, on the television, on Netflix. You are having like, you know, like a conversation in a ski lodge, you have your hot cocoa, you're sitting around a fire, having a, a heartfelt conversation with your sister in the ski lodge. You know, what, what, like that's oxytocin. That's, and it's very important, which isn't technically a neurotransmitter. I think it's a protein, actually. That, but it, it mimics a neurotransmitter, and uh, and we need that, right? It's very important to have that chemical for our brain's development, especially when we're children. But there is this sense of as good as it feels, of course, to eat uh, caramel popcorn while you're watching Netflix, you know, wrapped in a flannel blanket. As good as that feels, you, if you do that all weekend, you, you start to feel. <laughs> You know, just like you want to rip your hair out, Um, right? Because it's tuned out and maybe it's nourishing, but too much of that. And that's the problem. You're tuned out. Um, So typically, I mean, you know what I'm getting as is these oxytocin kind of being around mommy, especially when you're an infant, this... uh, ever-present, ever benevolent caregiver that immediately gets all your needs met before you can even think about it. You might get a little upset, but definitely before you can even articulate your needs, your mommy is there and she's tuned in. And so that's why you use opiates because you want to re-experience that feeling of mommy always being there. There's mother issues. There's in effect needs again a deep-seated needs in your life that have gone unmet. And it worked for a while. And, and you could turn the other way, but it builds up and it builds up. And eventually you get to the point where you get a back injury or a hip injury like I had. And they were happily still gave me a bunch of opiates to use. Um, I mean, you know, they probably did a background check on me and realized I don't have any uh, issues with that or haven't. Um, they're pretty strict about that in California. But, you know, they, they gave me a huge... They didn't just give me one or two to get me through the day. They gave me 50, I think. Um, Something like that. Uh, All right, okay, so then you injure your hip at jujitsu, and then you're like, oh, You, you take a tramadol, and like, oh, this feels, ooh. Ooh, I've been missing this. Where have you been all my life? You get that kind of feeling because there's this lack of development of your inner mommy your anima, right? Anima integration. Usually has something to do with emotional needs there. Okay, then psilocybin, or I would say any kind of psychedelic, I, I would speak mostly to psilocybin because that's the one I've, I've used the most. And uh, to this, I would say this is uh, if you find yourself um, having to use this, and again, that there's no problem with any of these drugs. Again, you know, I need to say that. It's all in how you use them. But if you feel a certain pull to one drug or another You know, I noticed this when I read the Motley Crue book The Dirt I guess there was a Netflix show about it I never watched But Motley Crue, you know, great band Not the great, second greatest band of all time Behind Guns N' Roses, of course But uh, something I noticed when I read that book You know, back um, when it came out I think 2005 Is the different members of the band Had different drug proclivities uh, Big Mars, he was the alcoholic Nikki Six pretty much everything, but I think mostly heroin. Uh, You know, Vince Neil, you like ladies, women are a drug, Uh, sex can be a drug as well. And then uh, Tommy Lee, I don't know, just he's addicted to being a pig, (laughs) being a pig who has sweet hair. Uh, But uh, I I noticed that when I was reading the book. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, yeah, none of these drugs are are bad necessarily. I'm, I'm not trying to give that impression, but if you feel yourself pulled to one of these drugs, as opposed to another one of these drugs. and Again, this is just food for thought, something that um, may indicate a truth about you that you were previously unaware of. So psilocybin, psychedelics in general, this is difficulty, I will say it concretely, it's difficulty remembering your dreams. Um, either you don't think they're important, or you lack some kind of depth, or you lack Perhaps some spirituality, and I do really mean, I, I literally mean that term spirituality, a relationship with what you would consider to be a spiritual phenomenon in your life. That doesn't mean supernatural. People often just mistake that with supernatural. I don't mean supernatural. Some spiritual phenomenon, some idea, some concept, some value, something that is incredibly tangible, one of the most tangible things in your life, yet you can't touch it. That's what I mean uh, by spirit. So, you know, I find guys who are drawn to this. You know, like the Tim Ferris types. You know, like just these nerds who are very, you know, concrete bound. You know, guys like Tim Ferris. Like, you know, half of their 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 uh, hard drive on their computers is probably just Excel files of them tracking stuff and them tracking their macros. Like, don't know. No. I again, understand that, how that's helpful, but you're compensating for that through the use of psychedelics is to create this relationship with your unconscious, because I think that's what psychedelics do. Uh, it's, um, it's a waking dream state. A dream is a psychedelic state. And because you don't remember your dreams, you don't think they matter. And of course, how do you remember your dreams? Side note is you write them down. Well, how do you remember to write them down? Well, just go on your computer and create a Word document that says Fred's dreams, or whatever your name is. And this is gonna prompt you to remember your dreams. And then you come and write them down. And if there's a part of the dream where you kind of remember, but you're like, oh, whatever, I'm just not gonna write that down. No, you write that down. You at least write down every possible fact you can from the dream. You don't have to analyze the dream. I'm not even sure that's so important. I, I mean, the more I do this, don't even have to analyze the dream, just write down the facts. What happened in the dream? Now then you can go on to t- take what happened in the dream. Once you get good at that, then what are your associations with, the, with what, what you saw in the dream? You know, what are your associations? How did you feel when, let's say, that person showed up in your dream? And then, then you can get into that. But I think that's why we turn to psilocybin and psychedelics in general is because we're just kind of lacking this, this relationship um, with spirit. Um, Can't sit still. You know, like they do the the experiments on uh, Gen Zers, that they have them go without their smartphone for 25 minutes, and by minute 23, they're they're freaking out. Yeah, guys like that are going to get a lot from psychedelics. It's a waking dream state. It's a way to have access to uh, various levels of your unconscious like you would in a dream, when, when you were to sleep in a dream, but in a waking state. Okay, and then cannabis, I don't know, like there's different strains of cannabis. I, I mean, in general, you know, my point about this, I don't know if this says anything about you, but when we think of potheads, you know, we think of the dude with the, the Bob Marley poster, and he's like, hey, dude, relax, uh, you know, uh, whatever that guy's name is from Days and Confuse. Um that kind of guy. Like, oh, that's the kind of guy who becomes a pothead. No, that's what pot turns you into. The kind of guy who becomes pot, uh, a pothead, in my experience, is typically incredibly wound up. Is very wound up, like, like a coiled spring. That's what somebody said about Charles Bronson. Like a coiled spring, but not in a healthy way. In a wound up, you gotta get things right, this hypervigilant state pot can help relieve uh, the stress of that. So, um, yeah, typically with potheads, you get these uh, type A overachievers, you know, overachiever indication of you achieve to make up for what you perceive to be some lack within yourself. I'm not good enough, therefore I need to achieve. I I don't know, that's just, you know, because there's a cultural representation of podheads and my experience working with not that people typically have a problem with uh i mean that's not what gets them into rehab typically right in fact i've never seen it uh but um not that it can't be a problem but you know it can ruin your life not in an acute way that's all yeah so that's just my my take on it maybe that's really not a full point there but Okay, and then finally, alcohol. What does what your alcohol use uh, mean about you? Uh, you know, it's anxiety, right? Um, I mean, it's interesting, so alcohol's a depressant, but it makes people feel elated. Well, why is it that? that? That doesn't make any sense. And this has often been used as a justification for if you do feel elated when you drink alcohol, then that's a sign that you're gonna have an alcohol problem. And it's treated as the something, something with your brain. That gives you this proclivity for alcohol abuse or alcoholism, and that's not true at all. The reason why you feel elated, the reason why you may have, in fact, an increase in dopamine in your brain when you drink a depressant like alcohol is alcohol. It uh, represses, you know, it represses anxiety. I mean, that's the thing with alcohol is it just it doesn't repress like Xanax. That'll just take you out. Xanax, opiates, you are tuned out. Alcohol is not like that. It'll repress some emotions, not others. It tends to repress more anxiety kinds of emotions, and that's why, you know, people, he's a mean drunk. What does that mean? Does he become mean when he's drinking? No. The, the meanness, the anger, the hatred, the resentment, the unmanaged, unhealthy emotional issues, anger issues were there. Anger's healthy. Anger issues, that's unhealthy all that stuff is there, the alcohol comes, just kind of takes out the anxiety for a few hours and then the anger erupts and you get in fights and you think you're better than me, that That kind of thing. Um, Yeah, so it's anxiety, but but also I just see it as a way of, um, you know, people need alcohol in different contexts. So maybe you need alcohol around your family. Oh, you know it's Thanksgiving. Oh, it's Christmas. Oh, I got to spend time with my mother-in-law and get a to, a, a you know knock back a few knock back a few brewskis to, to get through that dinner. There's you're you're just uninitiated in that area where you need the alcohol is all. So if there's issues there with your family, you're uninitiated with your family. There's still parent separation, whether it's your real mother, your mother-in-law, it doesn't matter. There's some issue there that repressed issue you have towards authority figures for example that you feel like you can't express you probably don't even know what the issue is but even if you did know what the issue is you would look at it and go oh i can't talk with them about that i can't express that there's no healthy way to express that and that's why you maybe tend to drink a little bit too much around christmas with your family or you know on dates same kind of thing you're out on a with the girl people feel like they need to drink in fact when you get a lot of experience here and this definitely happened to me but I've corroborated it with other guys. You find that you like you typically what do you do for a, a first date well this is what you did in t- 2013 maybe it's different now but you go to a bar and get a drink. That's you know typically I mean th- there's different iterations of that but that's uh, what you do but but when you get what when you do it enough you're like I can't do that because the beer right I don't have any anxiety I don't care anymore. I I don't need in fact the beer will actually make the date worse, it'll tune you out. So then maybe you uh go for coffee, right? Take a walk around the park. That's where I ended up. Uh so right that's just an indication you're not fully initiated on a on a date or wherever you need you feel like you need the alcohol or You know, work-related. If if your worst drinking comes, uh, you know, happy hour with your coworkers, and all you do is complain about your boss. Okay, you're just not initiated with work. There's issues there. But also, I I mentioned spirituality with psilocybin and other psychedelics. But I think it's you know very telling that alcohol. I mean, what do we? It's another word for it, or at least hard liquor is its spirit. Its spirit. What are you looking for when you drink? You're looking for spirit. You're looking for that spiritual experience. And I would argue maybe it's there. It's just you have some anxiety and some some other baggage that covers it up. But, of course, you know, the main point here is what I started out with is um, avoidance. The problem, okay, yeah. Avoidance isn't... What am I saying here? What did I say in the opening? I don't really have anything written down here. Uh, okay, so symptoms. Right, We have symptoms for issues, and we think that's some kind of problem, but it's not the problem. And whether it's drug use, porn use, any other emotional incontinence, incontinence that you feel if you're at a cocktail party, uh, let's say, and you have three drinks when you really only wanted to have two, that's not the problem. That's the solution in a sense or that's a lens into the solution what's the first thing that people do when they experience symptoms is oh i want to get rid of this oh i need to set up my life i need a routine so i don't i need to wear myself out okay because uh, i have a proclivity for drinking too much on a friday Wait, well that just means i have maybe too much energy so i'm going to go to the gym friday morning and you know run two and a half miles and then i'm going to be less likely to drink and while you may experience some relief from your symptoms. We really need to hold on to that symptom because that is going to give us all the information that we need about what your issue is and how we can work on it. At least at first. People always say drugs are irrational. No. Drugs are totally rational. It always makes 100 percent sense it's simply about bringing uh, the right perspective to it so that's what we can help you with here right i mean if you have unconscious issues maybe you don't have a problem with drugs um, but maybe there's some other unconscious issue that that you feel erupting in your life um, somewhere where you don't when you do it you don't really have the most respect for yourself you look back and go hey what was that all about what was i doing there we all do it right it's just to varying degrees but if you have a problem with the fact that you may do it, then we do free consultations. AnimusEmpire.com slash schedule. Um, Reach out. We have a contact form on the website. Or email Animus at AnimusEmpire.com. Thank you guys. And remember that drugs make perfect sense uh, as long as we note exactly what they mean about who you are.